it's John and Noakes with another oblong desk for you. And uh, hello there. Hi, John. How are you? Yeah, very good. And um, we'd like you, listener, to get in touch with us on a couple of pressing matters. And uh, this is normally very, very fertile ground for us to have a look at. Inconsequential pop star meetings. Uh, We were mentioning uh, our St Etienne uh, underground meetings that we had. And obviously the Kim Wilde Garden Centre incident that I had as well. Pop stars pop up in all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful places. Of course, you had uh, The Beast. Oh, yes, the beast the in, Carter, uh, yeah, yes. in Smith. Yeah. yeah. If you've ever met a pop star, and the only rule we're setting down for this is it can't be at a pop-related event. It has to be that they were doing something non-poppy and you met them. Let us know. We'd love to share that with the wider world because they're always funny. Uh, and the other thing, I've been moaning on about Simple Minds and Simply Red and uh, M People and other bands like that that everyone else seems to like and I just can't stand. Do you have a band like that that just everyone seems to love? And you say, have you got any of those? <laughs> have I? Um, yeah, probably a few. Um, I need to kind of have a think about that myself, actually. So just like the listener, I'm going to have to pontificate on that one. Um Excellent. There's got to be some. You you probably have heard me uh, issue expletives before about certain people. I know you're not a massive fan of Sister Sledge or certain bits of their. Uh, mm, that's more one specific song though. Um, oh, I tell you one I really don't like that everyone else seems to. Kasabian. I just don't get their stuff at all. It's just to me it sounds like clod hopping, subpar Oasis stuff. But um, they're very popular. I understand. They are. I really like them. Uh, their debut go, album was one of my favourites. There you go. Yes, absolutely. Uh, right. So any more of those, listener, the bands you don't like that everyone else does, you can drop us a line. Um, that's very old fashioned of me. Drop us a line uh, at the Oblong Desk. You can uh, tweet us or message us on Facebook or indeed go to our website, oblongdesk.podbean.com. This edition, we are looking at hits we're back to terry Starr and his hits collection of 1993 uh this time hits 93 volume 3 and volume 4 noakes what have you got for us on uh we'll start with volume 3 that seems a it seems place. it seems logical doesn't it yeah so this is uh volume 3 is uh the one that has the tagline 22 hot summer hits will be the judge of that so that at least helps you understand when it came out i can tell you exactly when it came out it was released on the 2nd of august 1993 the same day as now 25 now that seems either um an error of scheduling or extremely brave i'm not sure which um in the chart it entered at number two behind now 25 not surprisingly but stayed at number two for three weeks so that's not bad eight weeks in the compilation chart top 10 i would say leads to a judgment that this was a successful release in the series um 22 tracks on here of which we've already covered six so we'll be skipping through a few but uh, talking about the rest and track one is john's old friends funny enough we we're just talking about uh well it's only take that up to a certain point you don't like isn't it so pray is track one that's right and, and at this point it's sort of starting to come together for them uh there's a decent song in here yeah hampered by some cheap production I it, it is still and a I'm, bit cheap isn't it i mean it was their first big hit so number one for four weeks so you know the fact it's got the lead spot on the album absolutely fair enough and i suspect that um mr abram was trying desperately as we've mentioned previously to get this for now 25 and obviously failed um so you know a, a big track to have 
it is as you say i think it's an all right song but it could do with a little bit more to it they're, they're still almost in that kind of first album production aren't they yeah and there's a there's a kind of nasty sort of generic boy band feel to them which obviously at the time they were hmm. but you know it, it's kind of like are we looking at this from a from a kind of retrospective point of view and judging it on what was to come yes we are so when you know what they're capable of and what was in the locker to come it's it feels like you want particularly the chorus and particularly like the idea of the boys as backing singers feels like it's rushed to me mm. it doesn't feel like there's as much effort there they just kind of ooh and are ah in the background and you know other boy bands definitely the case that that is all they're fit for but you know that even the likes of jason and howard had more talent than oh, yeah. and i don't think it's being expressed yeah at the moment. yeah i think i agree with that but you know as take that songs go it's not too bad uh, up to this point probably their their best song i would say um although not my favorite necessarily but probably the best if you look at it musically um we then get track two what's up for non blondes which we've already talked about we haven't talked about track three yet but i don't think it'll take too long because it's m people and one night in heaven so my summary of this would be more of the same although i think this is a bit better than the two singles that came either side of it from the ones they released in 93 this is the one i would have to listen to if you made me uh, it's got a passable chorus uh, it's almost like the opposite of take that in many ways it's got so many gimmicky bits and it's almost overproduced so that in itself makes it quite annoying to listen to i'm really not a fan of that kind of bit in it it just gets yeah I know what you mean. and um and again i'm just not a massive fan of heather small's voice i'd love to be because you know, lots of people say that she sings really well. I don't see it or hear it, shall we say. Tell you what we should do now, though. We should hear a track. It's Hadaway. What is love? Track five on Hits 93, volume three. That is Hadaway with What Is Love. A bit like the Take That song, uh, a coup to have it on this album because it wasn't on Now 25. And uh, one of the big summer hits, I would say, uh, got to number two, didn't it, as I recall, um, and hung around in the top ten for a very long time. Uh, Still holds up pretty well, I would say, although um, I did slightly get fed up with it when it was on that advert with those demented women doing the robot dancing. Do you remember? that that was terrible i do remember that yes yes it was uh and and maybe colored my judgment of it it stood the test of time okay and it isn't a bad pop song at all um so many people have questioned love over the years haven't they like i mean howard jones did it in exactly the same words um i don't think hadaway's quite found the answer or even posed the question in a particularly searching way but you know i quite like it 
Well, Tina Turner, of course, said, what's love got to do with it? Which is a little bit more of a complicated question. So so maybe he ought to think on about uh, difficult questions in song titles. Or, or maybe you can think of yeah. another one, in which case, let us know. Um, we've done track five, haven't we? Kim Wilde, If I Can't Have You. We've already uh, covered us, in my case, rather strong opinion on that. So should we listen to some of track six, which is this? Listening to Oblong Desk, where Noakes and I are reviewing Hits 93, Volume 3 at the moment, and that was Snap, Do You See the Light? Brackets looking for, brackets off. And I really, really want to big up Nikki Harris on this uh, and do our bit for hashtag Me Too and Black Lives Matter and everything, because this is basically her singing a stunning solo song. And it's powerful and it's moody and it's atmospheric, and that's all down to the vocal performance. It's amazingly strong, and particularly when you think sort of of what snap were maybe 18 months before and after yes this is a real highlight for me it's a really quality song yeah um you took the words out of my mouth regarding her vocal i think it's very very strong i mean we praised her for exterminate didn't we a few oblong desks back but this is this is her best i think um it wasn't such a big hit made the top 10 having said that um it sounds it's got a little bit in it from exterminate it's got a little element from rhythm is a dancer as well it's almost like they're calling back to some of their earlier songs but not in a really obvious way um it stands up very well i think um you know not enough credit is given for these kind of mid-90s dance songs uh, to the vocals because people just listen to the music and think, oh yeah, okay, vaguely generic Eurodance. But it it really isn't because uh, the Hadaway song, I suppose, is similar. That stood the test of time and still gets played on the radio. This doesn't, but there's no reason why it shouldn't, really. It's probably just because they're playing Rhythm is a Dancer or The Power instead. Um, I, I think it's very good. The only issue I have with it is the unnecessary brackets. You know me with brackets. I mean... I, I'm all for them, but putting looking for at the end doesn't really make sense in terms of the song title. But that's the only fault I have with this. I've got plenty of faults with the next one, oh, though, yeah. track seven. It's Jade and I Want to Love You. And this is like what would happen if Wilson Phillips did R&B, isn't it? It's just so... Just three, four minutes of absolute nothing. It's just drivel, isn't it? I mean, it's so monumentally dull. You have to wonder who was buying it to get it to number 13 in the charts. Number 13! I mean, there's songs on this album later on that are much more entertaining, even if they're not, I suppose, objectively good in a musical sense, that did much worse than number 13. So I, I don't know what was going on here. It, it was absolutely, They should have been one-hit wonders, quite honestly. That That's all I've got to say. But then, unfortunately, the snoozathon continues next, doesn't it? It does. It's an OK ballad, is track eight. Lisa Stansfield, in all the right places. Uh, if you like that sort of thing, it's not bad at all. But I don't especially... No, it's again, it's just boring. There's, there's not, not much to say about it, really. It's from Indecent Proposal. I'm not sure I'd want to listen to this when having sexy time. I think it would probably send me to sleep, but uh, let's, not, let's not dwell on that too much. Um, it was actually her biggest hit since All Around the World. 
so clearly people loved buying the ballads but uh mm. doesn't work for me we've reached track nine and as you know on oblong desk when we get to something that's even worse than jade that is truly <laughs> horrendous we hand out a neil warnock award for ruining the album and in this case it's going to sarah washington with i will always love you i don't think this is a massive surprise that we're doing this um on the one hand it's massacring an already terrible song which is in itself funny but on the other far larger hand there's now two terrible versions of this song to avoid it's like yeah if you get a jellyfish sting and you know you're supposed to like urinate on yeah. the victim to make them better well it's, it's a bit like that they've still got you've still got a horrible rash but now you're also covered in someone else's wee <laughs> and that's just how i feel about this I think that's horrendous a, dance cover i don't think i can improve on that description really number 12 i mean if jade got to number 13 this this got one place higher the the problem i have with it is not the song itself it's just a generic kind of dance cover of another song and goodness knows there's plenty of those on this album many of which we've already discussed but uh, it's just the pointlessness of it this had only left the charts about six months earlier or thereabouts why do this six months down the line when anybody who loves the original is going to hate this and anybody who doesn't love the original who might be up for a dance cover it's just too soon way way too soon so i just don't get the point there was a follow-up which this may please you actually in one way or another the follow-up was careless whisper so she did she did a dance version of that as well that stalled at number 45 which is probably where this one should have got to Right, that sounds to me like sort of being involved in a car accident and then getting hit by the ambulance that's come <laughs> to save you. Uh, track 10 and track 11. We have already talked about the lovely Danny Minogue. This is it, is track 10. And Inner Circle's Sweat a la 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 long is track well done. 11. I'm always, always pleased to get that one. What have we got next? I'll tell you what we've got next. Something you probably have forgotten about. Do you remember Ali and Frazier? Well, here they are. I strictly Oblong Desk, we're roughly halfway through Hits 93 Volume 3, which uh, John and I are reviewing today, and that was track 12, Uptown Top Ranking, by Ali and Frazier. Now, it's probably enough of uh, around 30 seconds to work out exactly what's going on here. They've covered the old song by Althea and Donna and used the tune from All That She Wants by Ace of Bass and put in a bit of That's The Way I Like It from Casey and the Sunshine Band and thought that'll do and we'll do a rap over the top as well which has new lyrics in it because I think there are some new lyrics in here. It's a bit of a dog's dinner but I think it's quite an entertaining dog's dinner. Well, on paper, as you say, it shouldn't work at all by mixing those things together in the way that they do. But do you know what? I actually am going to go surprise left field here. I really, really like it. I think they do a decent job of covering the original. 
Uh, I think the bits they add to it, they do in a pleasing way. And yes, okay, it's a bit gimmicky to throw in the Ace of Base thing, and it's a bit gimmicky to throw in the do 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 But it kind of, it just all works for me, probably because I like all three songs. And, you know, I reckon if you were coming to it cold and you had no knowledge of the original, because that's sort of what, at this point, getting on for 20 years old, so there may be people coming to this who are not aware of yeah. Uptown Top Ranking, the original song. I think it's really quite a high-quality effort. I I'm, I'm, don't feel like they, it's out of place. No. and Maybe the Ace of Bass. May, is, but... Maybe. But it's, um, it sits in between two other reggae songs, and I think, as you say, if you listen to it cold now without any kind of pre-knowledge of it, which even if you were around at the time, you probably uh, didn't remember it very much. Um, then I think, yeah, it's it's certainly my favourite out of that that little reggae section in the middle of this album. Uh, their first names, by the way, really were Ali and Frazier. That wasn't a pun on uh, boxers from the from the seventies or anything like that. That those were their names. They were seventeen at the time they did this, and uh, it got to number thirty three, which I think is um, disappointing. 20 places lower than Jade, everybody. 20 places lower. I'll just leave that there. Go and have a listen to it if you've enjoyed that little snippet. Go and listen to the whole thing. Why not? Uh, track 13, I'm sure you have heard over and over again. <laughs> play to death at the time. It's Bitty McLean and uh, it keeps raining. Brackets, tears from my eyes, brackets off. Which I think are justifiable brackets in this yes, case. They are. Um, He's not going to win back whoever's gone by sobbing or singing this pap, though, is he? It's 1993, Bitty. Men are men, and crying is for ladies and Geordie footballers only. <laughs> yes. Um, it, uh, it was a big hit, of course. Another number two song. I mean, there are some big hits on this album, as well as the ones we've mentioned that aren't so much. Um, and uh, he is a brummy, so, you know, he's, he's well-liked around the parts where I live. Um, he's still a bit of a local legend, is Bitty. So... I don't hate it. Um, it's kind of okay, but it's nothing special. Track 14 is Robin S, Love for Love, which we've already dealt with. And I think we're going to hear some of track 15 now, aren't we? We are indeed. Urban Cookie Collective, The Key, The Secret. was urban cookie collective the key the secret and that's how bruno announced it when he was excited and revealing which song was at number two that week in the chart because yes this is another one that got to number two don't you just love false suspense eh? um and <laughs> and uh, i i think this is another one that's well remembered 
from uh, that year and the summer. I mean, it's a good snapshot of summer, this album. You have to give it that. It's even got a, a big wave on the on the front. I forgot to mention the front cover, which has that space minstrel, as I'm still calling it, um, surfing a wave quite impressively. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. it's summer all round, and this, this song fits in with that, I think. And, you know, you still hear it today occasionally, and I think it's still pretty decent. Oh, definitely. I, mean, it, I would say it's almost the euphoric dance anthem of the of the summer. I think it also inspired a lot of similar efforts as well, this one. I think I remember Pete Tong was championing this at the time. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, Dave Pierce was playing it a lot on Radio 1. And, um, yeah, I think just an awesome, awesome song. I know we used to play it a lot oh, yeah. at URN. It does sound a teensy bit dated now, a teensy bit of 1993. But what a time it was. And, yeah can't fail to be happy when you hear it yeah and it you know it was quite a happy summer for me i remember going down <clears throat> to the south coast to uh, visit nick hi nick if you're listening and um this was all over the radio we even went to the power fm road show where this seemed to be on every half an hour unfortunately they did like sarah washington as well but it can't be helped and yeah it just reminds me of that time really um good vocal i think as well again maybe not as strong as some of the others we've talked about um speaking of which slightly sad footnote diane charlemagne who was uh, the vocalist on this uh, died in 2015 I only just found that out this week. I had no idea till I looked that up, so that's a bit sad. Well, we shall remember her fondly by listening to that then. Can't remember the next one fondly, <laughs> I'm afraid. Track 16 is Black Box. Rock into the music. This is very strange. Isn't I mean, it? There's bits of it, bits of it that sound like they're going to turn into a decent song. And then, like, you get some out-of-place guitar yeah. stabs, like, assaulting you. And then you get this quick one-two from the Quentin Wilson lookalike male backing singer shouting, dance, dance, dance. All in all, it's not one to listen to if you're feeling nervous. It's well scary. It, it is weird, isn't it? I mean, it's um, it's Martha Wash on vocal again, this one. And obviously, you know, we've already talked about strong female singers, and she's very much another one. She doesn't get credited naturally. This is Black Box we're talking about. Goodness knows why she'd still turned up in the recording studio at this point, really. Um, but uh, this, was a, this was a one-off. So I'm not sure if an album was meant to follow this, but it, it, it was just released on its own in 93 with no singles either side of it. Um, I think their time had probably been and gone unfortunately it was a pre-release track which is how it got on here obviously uh, terry star thought it was going to be a massive hit it got to number 39 um and it's okay i'm like you on this i can't i want to like it it's certainly interesting i mean you know you can't say that for jade for example i you know give it give it its credit it's it's an interesting song in the sense that you just want to see what's going to happen next but it's in no way coherent, which um, which is its problem, I think. I think if it, they'd just kind of stuck to one idea or a couple of ideas, then it might have been a bigger hit. Yeah, I think you're right with that. It's certainly one that you can't ever dance to because something weird's about to happen. Mm. And as it is a dance track, the essence of dancing, it shouldn't leave you tied up in strange knots because you've suddenly been assaulted by a guitar. <laughs> Have you been attacked by a musical instrument? Ian Jury famously asked to get hit with a rhythm stick, and let's not forget that banjos are the weapon of choice for some admittedly niche duels. Uh, but what are your favourite musical mishaps? Do let us know at the Oblong Desk on Twitter and Facebook. 
Coming up in our next segment, we wrap up the rest of Volume 3 and launch straight into the autumn of Hits 93 Volume 4. There's still time for Noakes to give a live CD cover update. The Space Minstrel has seemingly grown in size and is now gold. I get pithy. I'm going to spend as much effort reviewing it as they did making it. I finished. And now you can hear a bit of summertime novelty. It's Stan with Suntan. day I got out of bed and looked out the window and it was a lovely sunny day. So I went outside and I got in my car and drove off down the beach and got myself a deck chair. I lay there all day and got a down my legs and on my nose. It's Oblong Desk and we are reviewing Hits 93 Volume 3. We've got to track 17, you just heard a bit of that. Uh, That was Suntan by Stan and however badly Black Box did in the chart, they got one place higher than Stan. Yes, it's a mighty number 40 single. Although I remember this being given a big push at the time. I seem to remember it got a lot of promotion on the likes of... Uh, was Wackaday still going then or was some kind of Timmy Mallet related thing I'm sure it got played on there um, Stan confusingly is a duo not a person but whoever the person is who's doing the vocal I say vocals talking on this just sounds really odd and a bit pervy and I think that might be why it didn't do very well um, I, these days it would absolutely get banned on public health and taste and decency grounds um, you know you can't you can't go on about having a suntan these days it would have to be called sunblock uh, and yes there's there's a lot of dubious things that he's asking the uh, ladies to do to his body in reference to getting tanned it is a bit weird so i can well imagine that it was on uh, children's itv in the 90s because we just didn't have any filters (laughs) in those days for all its faults it's it's quirky and it's silly and it sort of sits in that same kind of humor bracket as do you remember the activewear song from a couple of years ago no oh it's a uh, it, it was a thing on the internet and it was all about women who go around you know doing everything in their active wear oh, okay and it has that same kind of you know going to the shops in my active wear and this is kind of like i'm going around here in with my suntan i'm going to the shops in my suntan it reminded me a lot of that and i i think it's just about quirky and clever enough and it does have that kind of same as effort in some way it's got a bloke talking in a very british way about things it, for me it works just but no. it's, it's certainly unique and very very silly no i i i disagree it, it so wants to be a big summer hit like agadu or something like that and it's it's just not quite got the right ingredients really um and i i think his voice is the main problem on the, on that really um having said that um it's not the worst summer novelty song there's ever been certainly and it has its place on here you know it's a, it's very summer 93 i don't think you would have got this maybe maybe a year later but probably not any later than that it just feels like the summer novelty songs were ending around about this point from what i can remember because i'm bound to be proved wrong by future albums that we review now um but uh, yeah if you don't like it good news they've edited the track down on here um why they 
had 22 tracks and then edited a couple i'm not sure um so you only get about two and a half minutes of this on here so if you don't like it then you're well catered for good track 18 we've looked at already it's we three break from the old routine and then we're into track 19 which is sister sledge and thinking of you it's one of their better originals this one um, and it doesn't do anything different from any of the other slightly tweaked re-releases from uh, the Sisters of Sledge. I hope they were able to enjoy an extravagant holiday off all the royalties from these re-releases because to me it seems like that's what this is, a vast money-making exercise. I think it is quite different. It doesn't say it's a remix on the uh, back of the CD, interestingly enough, so if you thought otherwise, you might, you know, if you didn't know it had come out, you might have thought it was the original. I think it's by far the least convincing of the three remixes for two reasons. They've sped it up, which um, I don't agree with, and we'll talk more on this later. And um, the intro's really good. I mean, I know you're not as big a fan of Nile Rodgers as I am, but the original has that big Nile Rodgers guitar intro for about 40 seconds they've just completely chopped that off uh, in favor of some kind of repetitive vocals at the start um i think it's obvious this wasn't a sure as pure remix it was ramp whoever they are who were responsible for this one and i think it shows it's not as good and i can see why out of the three it wasn't a top 10 hit uh, right next track evolution everybody dance i'm going to spend as much effort reviewing it as they did making it i finished <laughs> well it's it's almost like a nile rogers uh segue here isn't it really so you know little mini applause to terry star for that piece of scheduling because uh, of course everybody dance being a chic song this time um and yes it's um yeah it's it's a disco cover from 93 that that that's all you really need to know uh it was their second and final hit and it got to number 19 that was my effort to give you a bit of flavor around that okay let's move swiftly on to track 21 then which is maxima featuring lily and ibiza which is trying far too hard from the i feel love baseline to the rave piano to the some things i think people probably do in ibiza lyrics there's about five different songs going on in here. You know, we were talking about Uptown Top Ranking having a few things going on. This has got so many things going on, and you're just really wishing that they would pick one or maybe two and go with it, or preferably just not bother with any of it. I was hoping it was one of those that I didn't remember because we've had a few of those where, you know, I've put the CD on and been pleasantly surprised. Um, but not in this case, unfortunately. You can see exactly why this got to number 55. Uh, it's another one that came out after the compilation, so it was obviously, you know, one of those, hey, Terry or whatever his name is, this is going to be a big hit, stick it on here. Uh, and it wasn't. She was Spanish, though, apparently, Lily, so I suppose, you know, at least they actually found a Spaniard to sing a song about Ibiza. Um, that's about all that's going for it, really, because it is very generic and very poor. Uh, next one's a biggie, though. Dr. Alban, It's My Life, is the final track on Volume 3. Um quite like this still um sometimes though i think he gets mixed up in the rap you know not being english because uh, he's got bugging and bothering and they happen very close together and i swear that at least once he says buggering which always struck me as an extreme <laughs> message for a pop song there's definitely a, a time where he does almost say that i think um it's it was a big hit uh, another huge summer hit unfortunately um that would have been summer 1992 uh late summer 1992 quite why it got here 
uh, a year down the line i don't know uh it's also another one that's been a victim of the scissors because it's been edited down to less than three minutes and it's a four minute long song normally so it smacks of oh we've got a bit of space left on the cd what have we got lying around good though it is there endeth the hits album the first so we'll move on to volume four we're reviewing two albums on this oblong desk notes feed me some facts facts about hits 93 volume four well the tagline is uh not present so somebody obviously couldn't be bothered for that one uh there are 21 tracks on it i can tell you that 21 banging autumn winter tracks now actually maybe that's why there's no tagline on it uh three number one hits on here so you're quite well served by chart toppers the cover's very bland it's almost like they've given up completely with uh, not only a missing tagline but it's a black background the space minstrel has seemingly grown in size and is now gold but there's nothing going on in the background it's pretty pretty boring uh, it was released on the 8th of november 1993 a week before now 26 so it seems they'd learnt their lesson this time uh the chart performance of this was nowhere near as good as the previous one it spent one week at number two then dropped rapidly down the compilation chart although of course november december is a tough time of year to uh, sell big uh, even in that chart so um, you can see why maybe this wasn't so popular as uh, the previous one even though arguably the music is better um, track one is once again take that with that bloody woman she's back again lulu <laughs> relight my fire uh, i know it goes against the grain but i think lulu's the best thing on this um, I think it's a really quite strong vocal performance from her, uh, and you're kind of waiting for her to come in and, and really lift the song because, again, it's one of those sort of take that trying to do disco, which I, I was never really convinced by that. Um, but I think that when she comes in, she's at this stage a far better lead vocalist than uh, either Gary or Robbie were. Uh, and so I quite like it. And for me, it is, to this point, their best thing that they've done. Ah, interesting. Yeah, you see, I prefer Prey, really. Um, not just because it hasn't got Lulu on. This topped the chart for two weeks. Um, I was kind of put off it, really, because by this stage, late summer, moving into autumn, um, I was in my slightly fed up mode let's say to be charitable to myself uh, i wasn't in a happy place uh, i was back doing hospital radio which was nowhere near as exciting as uh, as university radio frankly i was missing my great mates such as your good self john um oh, you when it when it got closer to christmas um and aside from a week back in nottingham which was a, a bit of a disaster all round, um i i didn't really have a great deal of fun and uh the guy who I was helping out hospital radio um, before I got the gig myself and got the show to myself, he played this every single week and every single time he verbally cued in Lulu. And you can imagine how tedious that got. And he thought it was the best song ever made. Um, so I kind of, even disregarding Lulu, I'm predisposed to still hate it, I'm afraid. Oh, well, did that extenuating circumstances yeah let's move on to track two then capella uh it's a fantastic one you got to let the music it still sounds good and it's a very strong dance track 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of prefer You Got To Know. This was the bigger hit, got to number two, and was another one that hung around the charts for quite a long time. Um, it's obviously, you know, a, an inclusion here because it was such a huge dance track. Um, I'm, like I say, n- not my favourite on here, but fair dues that it uh, it comes in nice and early in the uh, running order, I reckon. Yeah, it's one of those ones that you instantly recognise still, and, you know, Considering the amount of songs that you know we listen to in our professional capacity and the amount of dance music that there has been since 1993, the fact that this still, from the very first moment it comes on, stands out and you go, oh, yeah, that's that one, I think yeah. is testimony to how good a track it is. The same cannot be said <laughs> for track three. We are, um, as with all the hits albums, we don't do, obviously, Now Where Else, because it's not now, and we don't do You Could Have Won, because it's not now, uh, but we do hand out Double Warnocks. Yeah. To keep you interested and excited. And our second Warnock goes possibly to a surprising candidate. It's Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Relax, brackets, MCM XCIII, which I'm reliably, uh, if my Roman numerals, that, that must be 93. Yeah, 1993. So, yeah. yeah, now they've somehow taken all the, uh, the power out of this with the remix. Um, and it sounds like it's in a hurry to finish, <laughs> yeah. uh, which, given the subject matter of the song, you don't <laughs> want to be in a rush to finish, do you? Yeah, it's a weird one, this. I, I think it was reissued, although I think a little bit before the event, uh, for its 10th anniversary, because, of course, it came out at the back end of 83, did relax originally, and then took quite a while to break through into the, the chart. Um the other remixes, though, that they did after this were all released in quick succession, so they weren't waiting for the 10th anniversary of all the other singles. For example, The Power of Love came out just before Christmas 93. They didn't mess with that one. They left it as it was. Um, they also did remixes of the other uh, singles from Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Those weren't quite as offensive, those remixes. This one is. It's As you say, it's it's really speeded up, and it's quite noticeably speeded up. Um, and it's just got extra drum beats on it, and it just seems completely pointless. And almost as if to prove that, um, they kind of went halves on the single. They didn't actually make it the lead track on the single. If you look at the chart listings, it does not say Relax Remix or 1993 Remix or whatever. Um, It's almost as if they realised how terrible this was, and they thought, oh, crap, maybe we should uh, just plug the original instead. And... um, on now 26 which i know is yet to come so i'm preempting it slightly they go for the original which i think is probably fair um having said all that um it obviously was still popular it got to number five this remix but it's just not for me as we said before on our blog desk if you're going to either cover something or remix something you should be bringing something new and better to the party and this is absolutely the opposite of those two things it's neither different or exciting enough to to warrant being done if it wasn't worth doing it then don't do it and because they went and did it then that's why they're getting the warlock yeah i think that's fair i'm trying to look in the booklet and see if it gives me information on who remixed it and it, it doesn't actually i know that one of them i think it was the two tribes remix was done by fluke which is you know a, a decent uh, artist to pick for remixer but i can't see any credits on this 
um, which I think tells its own story, possibly. Um, it certainly wouldn't have been Trevor Horn redoing it because it would have been a damn sight better than that, that's for sure. <laughs> Track four. Yes, it's M people and moving on up. Um, again, the production just sucks all the soul out of it because it is actually quite a reasonable vocal in terms of sounding interested. Uh, but it's got this kind of musical equivalent of a plastic tablecloth. It's nice and safe, but it's really embarrassing to have out if you're older than five. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's uh, it's what I like to call a housewife classic. It's one of those uh, that would be wheeled out at hen parties. It certainly was then. I think it probably still is now. That's the problem. Um, it's unfortunate this is probably the only M People song you hear these days because it's one of the worst, in my opinion. I, I didn't like it at the time, and time hasn't improved it. Let's play something then. High time we did that. Track five is our friends, The Shaman. And this one's coming on strong. Keep coming on, you know we keep coming on with the vibe. That is laced with consciousness, inspiration, love, dedication. Keep coming, yes, revolution in progress, reality changing. Moving, shifting us higher. It's a connection with Gaia, running on a rhythm. You know that we're coming on strong, because we keep coming on. is track five on hits 93 volume four which we are now reviewing here on oblong desk coming on strong from the shaman now that was the sixth and final single from boss drum uh, spread out over over a year uh, the album version is totally bonkers when i bought the boss drum album uh, i think two or three of the songs had already come out as singles and i remember listening to it thinking Okay, um, for other people, that's probably going to be a single because it, you know, even in the album version, it was clearly a strong song. And then I was thinking, I, th- I don't think they're going to get any other singles out of this. Um, they did that weird re-evolution thing, the talky nonsense ambient thing with Terence McKenna, which on the album went on for about what felt like twenty minutes, and uh, on the single they managed to chop down to ten. <laughs> that was considered, that was considered okay for a single. Um, this one. It's another example of the Beatmasters working their magic because it sounds totally different from the album version. You'd never have guessed this started out life as um, Mr C going a bit potty. Absolutely. I don't think I've ever heard a single mix that differs so radically from the album track and improves it so kind of exponentially. Uh, you can almost imagine the meeting where the Beatmasters sat down with the shaman and said, yeah, like what you've done here, <laughs> but have you thought about maybe slowing it down by 25%, losing the cod Irish accent on the rap and that bizarre Indian boingy bassline thing? Um, then, then maybe you could re-sing it completely and we'll add a woman in doing the way yes. And also what we could do, just to finish it off, is to get a very young Jason Statham in a pair of leopard print budgie smugglers for the video. Did they? Yes, they did. My goodness. <laughs> Obviously, at the time, I mean, the video is typical mad shaman. But yes, uh, you read you read the uh, 
sort of background on this, and they go, you do know that's Jason Statham, right? <laughs> and, yeah, I imagine it's not the kind of thing that he would want drawing attention to. So uh, if you'd like to go and watch that uh, video of Coming On Strong, it is Jason Statham, and maybe he could drop him a line to let him know what you think. <laughs> I'm not going to do it because he's quite hard. No, me neither. Um, right, uh, what do I think of the song? It's I mean, awesome, this. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a magical version they've yeah like you say the Beatmasters have done exactly the right things and hats off to them okay so um track six also bonkers in its own little demented way two unlimited with maximum overdrive boom sigadabum 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 as uh, as Ray says, whatever on earth he means, we don't know. Uh, it was their smallest hit at the time, number 15, but uh, I think it didn't deserve to be because uh, it is very amusing. Yeah, and you've got to say kudos for rhyming maximum with, I'm going to do it too, boom, skiddity bum skiddity bum skiddity bum <laughs> um, All the required elements of a two unlimited song are present and correct. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think you'd find it tricky to do an evening of two unlimited unplugged. They are very much... <laughs> a band that requires being in a studio and being produced to death. Track seven, Culture Beat, Mr. Vane. Um, it's sort of what Snap were doing like two years earlier, really. And and it with that sort of male rap, female vocal chorus. And this one, I didn't really like it at the time. I thought it sounded a bit dated then. And it's so dated now. It really doesn't work for me at all in spades. Well, that's interesting. You see, to me, I have it in the same kind of bracket as Urban Cookie Collective. I think they've both maybe not dated brilliantly, but I think they both sound perfectly fine. And this does get the occasional outing on the radio, not so much as Urban Cookie Collective, which which may suggest that you're... Uh, your opinion on it, the fact that it sounds dated is correct. But I, do you know what? I still like it. I mean, I I um, do have happy memories of this one because although it's on here, um, an album that was released in November, it was a big summer hit. This was the one that kept Urban Cookie Collective off number one, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of all wrapped up with the memories of summer, really. If you didn't have a fun summer like I did, then I guess you may not be as predisposed towards it, but I, I still like it. Okay. One that I do really like, though, uh, Hadaway is back again. And um, again, because radio stations are what they are, you will never hear this. It's uh, <laughs> life. Uh, it's, for me, light years better than what is love. There's a great energy to it, a really insistent melody. And I think, you know, we were talking about, uh, as we have been, strong vocals all the way through. I think that vocally here, he's almost on a par with Seal. It's that good. I don't know if I'd say, I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, I like it. And as you say, it's nice to hear it. It does make a change from hearing the obvious. Um, And I I remember thinking it was quite good at the time. But uh, yeah, it's all right. I wouldn't go quite as overboard uh, as you, but I I think it's a good track. Yeah. Track nine, Urban Cookie Collective, (laughs) Feels Like Heaven. You know, sometimes they talk about difficult second albums. Well, this is definitely a difficult follow-up single. Uh, From the moment it starts, you're hoping that it's the key, the secret. And every second that passes that it isn't, it's just a massive disappointment. You know, you see, again, we're kind of disagreeing quite a lot now all of a sudden. It always happens towards the end, doesn't it? Um, But uh, I kind of like this. Um, I don't mind it I, I it's a bit like the last one 
it's uh, it's very of its time, I suppose, and uh, a bit like the first Urban Cookie Collective one that we mentioned. Again, a lot of artists appearing twice on these uh, two CDs, but uh, there you go. Um, it's it's okay. It does a job. There's an awful, awful edit on it. It's one of those singles where they've clearly, as they do with most dance tracks, I guess, edited the 12-inch version down to make a single. And there are other examples of this in the music world. Uh, another one, if you want to go away and listen, is Rockin' Over the Beat by Technotronic, which has an absolutely chronic edit about three quarters of the way through. Um, this has one near the start. So I think it's. I think it's. it might be after the first verse or might be even before that after the intro um, but there, there's a nasty edit here which uh, spoils everything and does make it sound a bit cheap if the key the secret didn't exist i might be more predisposed to like it mm. but the fact is that it does exist and therefore i'm comparing it to that i'm going it's not as good it's not as good and it's not sufficiently different either let's go on to track 10 uh, that's um, real love from uh, time frequency and I think we played them on our last Oblong desk, and I mentioned that yeah. they were kind of like a bit entrancy. And bless them for trying. This is the next thing. It's so nearly there, <laughs> but just not quite. It's like someone needs to just come along and put all of the pieces in the right order. It just never kind of like catches you. You know, if you want a good dance song, it's got to have a hook. And this kind of like the hook for me here, it doesn't. It's like the one that got away. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. I mean, we we had them on Hits 93 Volume 1, of course, way back um, at the beginning of 93, and then they disappeared off Hits, had that one on now, and then here they are back on Hits again. This was the biggest hit that they ever had, so uh, the only one that made the top 10, although it originally flopped the year before when it got to number 60. So this is, again, it doesn't say so, but it is a remix. I think it's the best thing they did. At the time, I liked... Uh, the previous one better but i think this probably stands up the best i know what you mean the chorus it's it's all you kind of want to will them on to just make it a tiny bit better it's almost good but it's frustratingly just misses out i think not bad though i mean it's a fairly strong run of tracks here the the kind of dance sequence um from well i guess the shaman onwards probably um they there's a lot of songs here that are not maybe the best thing ever, but if you listen to this album in order and you remember the time, it it's a good little sequence, that, I think, with all those dance tracks together. What do you think of our Warnocks? Don't forget that our website, oblongdesk.podbean.com, has all the past winners, if that's the right word, of the coveted title of Song That Ruins the Album. So why not head there now and check out the songs that you should never listen to again, along with lots of other fun things to do with Oblong Desk. Uh, before we leave Hit 93 behind, Noak says this. Presumably a lot of these kids, when they grow up, will just be going, oh, Dad. Me to act like a toddler the male rapper had to sound like he was about to kill you and the female has to sound like she's in a bad mood and i'm just i want my dance music happy and some fantastic tracks like this chart topper i am the driver and y'all want to rap ride so fellas yeah. are y'all with me yeah. say fellas yeah. are y'all with me yeah why don't you tell the girls what y'all want to do you want to Boom, 
It's Oblong Desk with me, Noakes, and John reviewing Hits 93, Volume 4. Currently, we have got track 11. You just heard a bit of it. That was Boom, Shake the Room from Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Gotta love Will Smith. He strikes the balance between being a massive big head and that self-deprecation that you need to go with that. Absolutely right. God, I loved this at the time. <laughs> it's such a huge feel-good party anthem. It still makes me ridiculously happy when it comes on. It's just big and silly and over the top. And who can't be happy? to hear this yeah i think it's a great song i mean i wasn't a massive fan of summertime quite the opposite i could not stand summertime uh, it was ubiquitous it was one of those hey everybody go out and have fun in the sun songs and i'm like yeah okay whatever but uh, i really loved this as soon as i heard it and i seem to remember it um entered the charts quite high but i don't think anyone was expecting this to get to number one i mean it was two years since summertime during which they'd had i think either no hits or certainly not no no big hits anyway um and i remember this being a bit of a kind of surprise number one but in retrospect we shouldn't have been surprised because it is very good um and it still stands up you don't really hear it on the radio though do you i mean there's there's plenty of songs that we've talked about in this edition you do hear on the radio and yet you don't hear this i don't think no i I think if if people are playing will smith they tend to go with possibly miami yeah maybe or or or, um, or sometimes wild wild west and men in black perhaps yeah um all of which well no i like miami but i I, that's the only will smith so um will smith credited song that i like um this i think is the best thing he he ever did in either of his guises i would say i think you probably right there yeah yeah i'm much more of a fan although there was definitely a formula wasn't there oh yeah find an 80s find an 80s soul track rap over it in a harmless way cha-ching 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 but i don't begrudge a man who is undoubtedly ridiculously talented at what he does uh, from having a number one song and and this is quality track 12 is lisa stansfield with so natural and gorgeous voice particularly this vocal performance is is hugely good but the song is rubbish it is and uh, for reasons best known to themselves they've gone with the b-boy mix on this hits compilation which makes it a bit faster makes it a bit more r&b i suppose um doesn't do anything to improve the song it's another of her dull ones i'm afraid we keep saying this uh, about lisa stansfield songs and uh, we i think we get a bit of a break after this one for a while um perhaps there's one more to come before she has a bit of a uh, a gap between albums so um thankfully we'll get a rest from her not very good songs as you say nothing wrong with the voice just really dull tunes now it's really nice i think to honor your children and write a lovely song about them and chris rear did exactly that with track 13 it's julia um i think that's his younger daughter if I'm correct, I haven't researched that massively. Neither have I. I think it's pro- probably stalking. Um, it's actually not a bad song, but it's obviously some, something very personal to him. And I imagine if you're called Julia as well, you could probably get some mileage out of it. Yeah, I'm kind of not as enamoured uh, as you are of songs about artists' kids. It's, it seems a bit twee to me and a bit naff. And as you say, it's very personal. So why would anyone else be that interested? And presumably a lot of these kids 
when they grow up will just be going, oh, dad or mum, obviously, if it was a female singer, and be really embarrassed. So I, I don't think it really serves anybody very well. Having said that, it was one of his bigger hits. I mean, the one thing you you probably don't remember about Chris Rear is that he had a lot of singles out, but not many of them were really big hits. This one got to number 18, so it's actually one of his biggest. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not particularly exciting it sticks out a bit uh, like sore thumb on this album it doesn't really go with anything else no you're absolutely right particularly not this next one but then Björk doesn't really go with anything does she Track 14 on Hits 93, Volume 4. That is Play Dead by Björk and David Arnold. We were talking about Chris Rea not having many big hits. Well, Björk had been a bit more of a kind of underground artist until this one, and this is where I think she came into the mainstream, really. Uh, It's from the film Young Americans, in case you're wondering which soundtrack that was from. And obviously the David Arnold factor is a a big reason why this this did well, I think, because it's beautifully orchestrated and she reins it in a bit doesn't she she doesn't i mean clearly the vocal is still strong it's Björk we're talking about but she doesn't go completely off the wall at any point yeah she she's got just as a career thing as a whole i'm such a fan of people who are influenced and reflect kind of where they're from and iceland and Björk just match each other perfectly that kind of spaced out wild untamed natural sound that she has to her voice it's completely unique i'm massively massively a fan um but like you say sometimes it can be a bit weird for sort of mainstream ears and i think there's been a couple of times when when she covers things and when like with this david arnold gets hold of the track you can see the barriers are being put around her to control what happens just enough and the result is a fantastic track incidentally at the time i was not long after this heading down to uh, london to start my job with uh, the bbc and david arnold propped up in discussions about songs that were being or music that was being commissioned for the bbc and i was like what the david arnold uh, and my boss at the time, no, no, it's a different David Arnold who wrote something. I think he wrote the theme tune to Homes Under the Hammer and things <laughs> like that. So not quite in the same league. Uh, so, yes, so, so I did briefly um, sort of come into contact with a David Arnold, but not this oh, one. Well, that's, that's immensely disappointing, isn't it? Um, one, yes. one... Imagine, imagine there being two people who write music both... It's, it shouldn't be allowed. Well, the, it should be like equity. Yeah, there's, there's two John Williamses, of course, although I suppose that's that's always more likely to happen, isn't it, given the name, and one of them does a lot more stuff than the other. But anyway, yeah, a bit before we move on, can I just say, um, the way Björk pronounces torture in this song is one of my favourite word pronunciations in any song ever. It's just marvellous, the way she says it. 
Right. Can you give that a go? Uh, it's not really, but she says it kind of like torturous, doesn't she? It's um, it's that sounds that sounds horrendous. Just listen to the song and hear how it's done properly. Yes, she she, she wraps her Scandinavian um, accent beautifully around it. So let's put it that way. Captain Hollywood Project, our track fifteen, Yay. and uh, <laughs> more and more. It's another snap wannabe, and it never reaches their heights. I think you've got again. There's something that was going on in Europe where they felt like the male rapper had to sound like he was about to kill you, and the female vocal on the chorus has to sound like she's in a bad mood. And I'm just, I, I want my, I want my dance music happy, not scary. It's it's very yeah it's a very downbeat dance song isn't it I mean is it in minor keys I, I suspect some of it must be the the did 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 bit sounds like it might be at times I I'm not an expert um, but uh, I like it uh, <laughs> unsurprisingly Dutch pop of course I'm going to like it Dutch dance pop uh, Captain Hollywood of course had been around uh, a few years earlier with twenty four seven with a couple of their songs which were better i think but i still like this uh it was a pre-release track for this album only got to number 23 i think if they'd known it was going to get to number 23 it probably wouldn't have made it on here um but i like it i mean at this point uh, as i said i was back home i'd left nottingham and uh, my dad had got satellite telly and this was on mtv all the time and i watched mtv all the time so it's not a surprise that i ended up liking this it was almost battered into my head along with uh, the follow-up impossible which came out came out the following year um and other things they played over and over again like enigma return to innocence and stuff like that they they just hammered these things to death and they were like you will like this european dance pop you will um and so i do sorry each to their own. I find track 16 much more enjoyable. That's The Grid, Texas Cowboy. And we're kind of warming up for a, a kind of trip across the southern states of America uh, that The Grid perform over the next year or so. Uh, this isn't bad at all. In fact, I really quite like it. It's let down, though, I think, by some kind of really cheap-sounding samples. Um, I can't help feeling if they did it today with fancier kit it would sound absolutely awesome. But there's just something something sort of sellotape-y about the way that the vocal is, sample is attached um, and some of the other bits, like there's a whip crack in there, yeah. which these days may, may be thought to be unnecessary. I don't know. Uh, but again, just sounds a bit like they haven't quite got the right kit to mix it with an air of sophistication. It feels like they, they don't have anything beyond control paste. Yeah, it's um, actually called Texas Cowboys as well. Um, that's not your fault for getting it wrong. They've they've spelt it wrong on the uh, on the album, and obviously you've been you've been taking it from the album. But uh, yeah, Cowboys. Uh, there always has to be a spelling mistake somewhere on these. It's it's why they're not as good as now, as generally. Um, it's like you say, it's almost a dry run, isn't it, for Swamp Thing? It's not quite as convincing. It wasn't quite as big a hit. It got to number twenty one, uh, and then after Swamp Thing was a big hit, they reissued it again. Um, but it only got to number seventeen the second time round, which just goes to show you you can't uh, you can't bottle these things necessarily. Swamp Thing does it better. Um, it's all right, this, but nothing to get excited about. I'm just distraught now that I've been misled by Terry Starr. I know, it's a disgrace, isn't it? Go around and visit him in the small hours. Um, Track 17 (laughs) is another one of those 
cover versions of an old song. It's Love Station, who are the quote band, unquote, with Best of My Love. Uh, (laughs) It's like a boring version of Undercover, is this, with all that that entails. Imagine being undercover and thinking, no, we can make this even more bland than that. Uh, yeah, this time it's uh, a cover of an Emotions song, Best of My Love. Uh, this is the only non-hit on this album, so they haven't done badly considering that quite a few of these are um, pre-released tracks. Uh, in fact, there's only one non-hit on Volume 3 as well, so they haven't done badly overall. Uh, this one got to number 73, um, but you can see why old Tal picked this up and slapped it on the album because, uh, you know, he would have thought, oh, hang on, we've got another 70s cover here. This is going to be enormous. Uh, no. And uh, it's even worse than the Evolution one because it's the vocal's not great either, I don't think. So um, it's uh, a failure on every count, I'm afraid. Yep, sorry. Track 18 is SWV right here. Brackets, human nature mix brackets off. Um, this is above average R&B, which still means it's well below average music. Um, <laughs> yes. And I want to like vocal performances that sound like they're trying. And I do honestly believe that SWV are trying and genuinely believe that they have a really good song but it just just there's something about this sort of tepid r&b thing that has no attack to it you think well i'd just rather if it was like a ballad that it was sung without this unnecessary urban beat behind it and if it's proper urban music then do something more interesting with the vocal they just don't marry to me. Yeah, the problem they've got here is they've taken a Michael Jackson sample, which is always dangerous. It's not even one of his uh, biggest or best songs, I would say. Human Nature is obviously why it's called the Human Nature Mix, um, because that's what they use in the background, and that eclipses anything SWV are ever going to do, I'm afraid. Uh, there was a version of this without that sample on as well, weirdly, even though there was clearly no issue with getting it cleared. It's not as good as um, I'm So Into You. I preferred that one from earlier in 93, which was on uh, volume two of Hits 93, actually. But it's okay. I mean, it, it's better than Jade. That's a, that's an admittedly low bar, but it doesn't get down to that level of uh, tedious uh, R&B. It's a bit better than that. And it was a big hit. So, you know, fair dues, it's on here. It's such a low bar. It's like if they were doing, I don't know, the Mouse Grand National. It's like a fence in that. To Limboing it. under a matchstick, you mean, yes. Yes. Uh, let's play some of track 19. We're getting near the end. There's still a few more to go. Track 19 is from We Three, for what it's worth. For Nasty George, hand in hand with a dragon. Loading contraband upon the same bandwagon. Pinball machines have a sign saying tilt. But in life, it's difficult establishing guilt. So it won't be me to cast the first stone. Because I got far too many hang ups of my own. And furthermore, if the truth be known, I want mercy when my cover gets blown. There's something happening here. What is Track 19 on Hits 93, Volume 4, is that one from We Three. Again, 
Oh, Tally doesn't like putting the word remix in brackets, does he? He puts some other things in brackets, but never remix. It was a remix of uh, For What It's Worth. The original version made number 28 earlier in the year, and that remix, well, it got to hmm, number 26. So uh, chart-wise, probably not worth the effort, but actually... Um, it's one of those where the remix is worth it because I remember playing the original on URN back in the spring of 93 and it was good but it was fairly basic stuff there wasn't much going on this actually beefs it up quite a lot and you can see why they'd want to remix it after having a hit with Break From The Old Routine and not just sling out the original so you know good song it's a reinterpretation of an old song by Buffalo Springfield isn't it it is actually my favorite version of this uh, and the reason i really like it is largely to do with the muppets version by dr teeth and the electric mayhem uh, and that was on a muppet show album when i was really young i don't think i, I grew that, up yeah. listening to that uh, it's it's uh, it's actually for the muppets it's a fairly straight cover huh. uh you know a fairly straight you know we're trying to do this because um, obviously the guys who did that were incredibly talented musicians in their own right yeah, a bit like yeah. kind of mike bat and the wombles they yeah. the guys who did the muppets had immense musical talent um they didn't have the bit about kalashnikovs <laughs> going to heaven with ak-47s in it not surprisingly uh, but yeah i really like that version so when you know when you hear a childhood favorite automatically hooked into it anyway and i think we three do a very very good job on this it's a pleasing and intelligent bit of rap it's always nice to hear issue led music i think and particularly when it's done in a tuneful and poignant way like this one is yeah. very good song yeah it is it is good and it's nice to have that kind of completeness of we three because um they only had those two big hits obviously for what it's worth as i said was technically a hit twice uh there was one more minor hit to come after this and then that was it for them so you know we, we've got pretty much their key tracks encapsulated on these 93 albums so i think that's a good thing we're going to go on and hear the uh the next track as well aren't we we're going to have a clip of track 20 Saturday in Timbuktu, Monday Oblong Desk playing you right said Fred and bumped. Uh, I feel a bit sorry for them, the Brothers Fairbrass, because this is this is a pretty decent pop song in all, all in all. Uh, but the way that you're waiting for something silly to happen all the way through, because they've kind of like defined themselves as a novelty act, I think it's a, a big kind of burden for them because, as I say, this is a very very polished and professional piece of pop music. And yet, because it's them, you kind of feel a bit, why are you doing this? Which I don't think is fair, but that's how I feel. I think that's a good take on it. Um, 
it's a decent enough song. It's a, it's a nice little pop ditty. It uh, doesn't overstay its welcome. It's only about three minutes long, as I recall. Um, Deserve to do better in the chart, really, I think. Only got to number 32. And their last top 40 hit of the 90s. Not the last we'll be hearing from them on Oblong Desk, because we've got a flop single coming up in the uh, fairly near future. But um, their last actual hit. And it's a shame to kind of sign off really from the 90s this early with a song that's this good but again a bit like black box we were talking about before maybe their time had just come and gone that quickly and uh, the public just didn't want anything more from them i guess i think when you try and come back and say no because i think there was a fair bit of distancing that they did in the media from yeah. that i'm too sexy uh, don't talk just kiss period where they were saying no actually we're serious musicians and the, uh, there is a case that the public just go no we don't want you as serious yeah. musicians we want you to pond something down the catwalk yeah there may be something uh, in that yeah. and 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 uh, and so you know failure of marketing i'm afraid uh let's move on to our final track it's uh, bitty mclean double bitty on this edition of oblong desk and uh, the final track is uh, Pass It On, which is a Bob Marley cover. It it kind of adds very little to the original. It takes very little away. It's a sort of zero-sum track, which, of course, means, uh, as you'll know from a mathematics point of view, it wasn't worth doing at all. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a damp squib, uh, this album, at the end. Um, I kind of had a go at old Terry Starr for sticking a year-old song on the end of Volume 3 and editing it down to fit. But given that this isn't particularly stunning and it got to number 35, and I don't think it was a pre-release either, I think it had already charted when um, the album was put together, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, they could have just put anything on here. They could have gone back to the year earlier and put Rhythm is a Dancer on the end or something, like they did with Dr. Altman, just to think, oh, well, no, no, nothing good left. Let's uh, let's go back to the archives and, you know, even if we edit it down to three minutes, then let's find something. Um, probably would have been more entertaining if they had. I would. That's all I've got to say about that, really. I'll tell you what they should have done. They should have done what our friend, dear friend and colleague, Alan Moore, used to do, and that's if you're getting close to the end of something and you need a quick filler track, you just stick on some Elvis. yeah. Yeah, Marie's the name of his latest flame, just on the end for no reason. Yeah, oh, that would have been that would have been preferable. Right then, well we've played and looked at and discussed Rattling Machine's paper here. That's forty-three tracks, is it? Wow. Yeah. Forty-three tracks, and from all of those, we've got to pick just one, one yeah. that we think is our favourite of the entire two albums excluding the six we've already talked about yeah course. so uh, do you want to go first uh, i'm struggling a bit here um as i've already said this these albums cover a happy period and a sad period the happy period album is volume three but there's nothing stunning on there um i do like ali and frazier that that did bring back some happy memories and was a pleasant surprise um but a lot of the other stuff it's all right, but I wouldn't kind of get too excited about it. Volume 4, that's the not-so-happy period album, but funnily enough, I think there's probably more that I like on here, and as a as an album, it sits together a bit better. Um, do you know what? Because it was so unlikely, and I, I just couldn't see how this was going to happen until I actually heard it for the first time, I'm going to go for The Shaman and come in on strong for this one. It's a good choice. 
I think, uh, but mainly for the Beatmasters for that. Yes, yes. I am having a much simpler time. If we were doing things purely on the basis of the quality of the song, and not just my favourite one, I'd have to say that um, Nikki Harris's Do You See the Light? See, I've done that. I'm ignoring you, Snap. It's all her. Um, that is such a strong performance that I'm, I'm finding it hard to look past it. But at the time, and because of the memories, and because of the massiveness, I'm going to go obvious on this album. It's Boom Shake the Room for me. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So uh, it's a rarity. Um, one of us has picked a number one hit. That doesn't happen too often, I don't think. Uh, so yeah, there we go with um, Hits 93, Done and Dusted. Uh, the series did continue into 94. There was one volume and then a huge break. And then they did another one that had the next catalogue number along, but was called something completely different in good old hit style later on in 1994. But that's all to come. We'll uh, we'll cover that. It's ramshackle. <laughs> yes. Do you imagine that? Do you imagine that Terry Starr he took six months sits off, in his yeah. office with with with? I imagine him to be sitting there in his office with I don't know half a bottle of whiskey <laughs> just going. Hey, compilation now. Yeah, they, they they went to him in roughly June and said, "Right, what have you got for us then?" And he went, "Hang on, was I supposed to do one?" Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's all a bit ramshackle, um, but they do cover things that you just don't get on the now album. So you know, we we, we love them for that, if nothing else. So we'll be back to the hits. Absolutely, we'll be back to the hits in uh, the fairly near future, I suspect. But uh, back to now next time, isn't it? So um, we will uh, speak yeah. to you for that one. So uh, from me, Noakes, that's uh, that's all from the oblong desk this time we'll speak to you soon yeah and don't forget to get in touch with us in the usual ways it's at the oblong desk on facebook and twitter and also if you'd like to go to our website don't forget oblongdesk.podbean.com we shall see you soon The entire Oblong Desk production effort, including all the bits you don't hear, is brought to you by Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John. If you haven't already, like, share and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Oblong Desk.